tell me your name? Steve. Steve, great. Good Thank job. You. Good job. Dana, you, you did okay today. <laughs> Can you come back next week and do maybe do that again? Good morning, church. Good to see you. Someone said life is what happens when you have other things planned. We're in the middle of life, aren't we? Who would have dreamed a few months ago that we'd come to church mask? Who would have thought that? I surrendered into ministry in April of 1976. I grew up in Burnside, Kentucky, a little town south of Somerset, and uh, went to University of Kentucky. My father was a civil engineer. That's really what I wanted to do in my growing up years, and I graduated from UK and 1973 with a degree in civil engineering and worked for the Department of Transportation. I built roads, designed roads, uh, traveled all over the state doing that. Had no intention of being a preacher. In fact, I didn't like preachers much. Uh, some of them I don't like today, honestly, uh, if I was very honest about it. But uh, I got drafted into uh, ministry uh, when I began to ask God, what do you want me to do with my life? I'm a recovering alcoholic. I haven't drank since February the 15th, 1976. God delivered me, and uh, I remember uh, that day vividly, and I've been able to help a lot of people over the years to be delivered from alcohol and drug abuse, but God changed my life and surrendered in ministry and went to Southern Seminary, August of 1976, graduated from there, went to pastor a little church in Felicity, Ohio, up, up the river from Cincinnati. It's not the end of the world, but you can see it from there, uh, close. Left there in uh, October of 82 and came to Zion Baptist Church in Henderson, a small rural church out in the county five miles. I was there over 16 years, and uh, we became the largest church in the county and uh, saw a lot of people saved. And in February of 90. Nine, I left to be the evangelism director and traveled all over the state uh, teaching evangelism. I was here in your church, an evangelism conference one year, preached several years ago. But I don't know how to do church now. It's different. Isn't it, Dana? It's different. And you don't know how. I mean, just look at us. Here, we're, we're scattered. We're, we've got probably more people online than we'll ever have in the buildings again. It's going to be different from here on and I deal with pastors I'm still teaching and doing some consulting and things with pastors I talk to pastors every week and broad of them is they say we don't know what we're doing and really that's when God shows up when you don't know what you're doing is when God shows off and so I'm waiting for God to show off aren't you and because God's going to do something great in our country in our churches and at Eastwood Baptist Church, and in your life, when you get to a point that you say, I don't know what to do. That's where I got in February of 1976 when I was sick and tired of waking up sick and tired. And I asked God to deliver me, to show me, deliver me from alcohol and show me his plan for my life. Had no idea I'd ever be a preacher. But we want to talk about today, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Turn with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 20, if you have a copy of the Word of God, if you, maybe it's on your phone. I'm, I'm uh, reading from the Christian Standard uh, Bible. Uh, you may, obviously, you may have another version, but it'll be very similar. In 2 Chronicles 20, 
after Solomon had died, King Solomon, when he died, the, the nation of Israel split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And the southern kingdom of Judah had, had, a, uh, had four kings up until we get to Second Chronicles 20. The four kings, uh, they had had uh, Rehoboam, Abijah, and Asa. And then Jehoshaphat came along. And Jehoshaphat was a good king. The other ones weren't so much. They, they brought turmoil and chaos, and they didn't follow the Lord. But Jehoshaphat did. Jehoshaphat was one of the good kings. He, he uh, eliminated pagan worship. He tore down the idols. He called people to prayer and, and to follow the law. And he was a good king. And things were going great. And he'd never known uh, uh, chaos. He never had to fight a battle. And then all of a sudden, we don't know why, except God trying to teach them some lessons, and then that lessons comes to us, three armies came up against it. It says in, 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 in uh, chapter 20 of Second Chronicles, after this, after this relative period of calm and revival in Judah, it said the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Menunites came to fight against Jehoshaphat. Now, Jehoshaphat didn't know what to do. And so what he did is what you and I need to do. When the armies come, when trouble comes, when chaos comes, when cancer comes, when you're without a pastor, when a pandemic comes, when political unrest is, is, in, a, is in a country, when social unrest, what do you do? Well, here's, we're going to follow the path of Jehoshaphat today. It says in verse 3, you, you might want to underline this or at least uh, mark it somehow. Jehoshaphat was afraid. There's nothing wrong with being afraid. So in fact, some of us, we won't admit we're, we're afraid. I did a funeral last Monday back in Henderson, a, a, a friend of mine, that um, Brad Harrison, that died of COVID and 73 years old. And uh, he, he had some other health issues friend of mine, we, he was a deacon, I ordained him as a pastor, and, and Brad died uh, Thursday of the week before last, but it, 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 it frightened me. Here's a man, a friend of mine, 73, had some underlying issues, but you, know, you don't think much about this virus until someone you know dies, somebody close to you dies, and it, I had to admit, I'm, I'm afraid uh, of, of getting this stuff, and uh, Anyway, Jehoshaphat was afraid. There's nothing wrong with being afraid. There's nothing unholy about admitting that you're afraid. But what do you do with your fear? And here's what he did. So, he, he, he resolved to seek the Lord. Now, that's where we are. That's where you are as a church. The church founded in 1953. It's had numerous pastors. I've known a lot of your pastors over the years. I've, like I say, I've worked for the convention for several years. I've stayed in touch. I've known a lot of your pastors down through the years and have uh, always appreciated this church. I had people that came from Eastwood and drew, moved back to Henderson and joined Zion Baptist that had been members of Eastwood and spoke so highly of your church. But you're at a period where you've got to resolve to seek the Lord. Uh, and, and so the path here is, is clear. So what did he do? He proclaimed a fast for all of Judah who gathered to seek the Lord. So what Jehoshaphat did was what you and I need to do, both personally in our family when we 
when trouble comes, and it's coming, you're either in trouble, coming out of trouble, or heading into trouble. Because trouble's coming. And you're not going to be able to avoid it. You know, some of us think, well, we've, you know, we make the right decisions, and we've raised our kids right, and we've done this economically, and we've done this, we've ate right, and all that kind of stuff, eating right. And then the next thing we know, something happens. Trouble comes. So what do you do? What does what the leadership of a church need to do? What do we as the leaders of our family need to do? We need to call people to fast and gather to seek the Lord. Fast meaning that, that you're focusing your attention on God and not on the problems that you're facing. And so that's what Jehoshaphat did. Here, here it says in verse 6, he said, listen to this, the Lord, Lord God of our ancestors. So he's, he's talking to God. Lord God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, and no one can stand against you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, who gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in a land and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, and have said, if disaster comes on us, sword or judgment, pestilence or famine, we will stand before this temple and before you, for your name is in this temple. We will cry out to you because of our distress, and you will hear and deliver. So he's reminding God of what God has done, but he's also reminding the people. There are times that you and I need to chronicle the faithfulness of God in our lives. God has always been faithful. He's always been faithful to Eastwood Baptist Church, and he's going to continue to be faithful in the future. You need to remind yourself, it isn't God that's a problem. Usually it's me. You know, it, I, I look in the mirror and I say, okay, where's the problem, God? And God said, look in the mirror, it's you. God is faithful, and he was reminding the people of God's faithfulness. And then he goes on to say, he's reminding God as well. Now he says, now here are the Amorites. He tells them about this problem. Here are the Amorites and the Moabites and the heavens of Mount Seir. Did you not let Israel invade them when you did not let Israel invade them when uh, they came to the land of Egypt? But Israel turned away from them and did not destroy them. Look how they repay us by coming to drive us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? Well, here, here's, the, here's the pivotal passage. For we are powerless before this vast multitude that comes to fight against us. We don't know what to do, but we look to you. One translation says our eyes are on you. Listen, our eyes cannot be on this pandemic. Our eyes cannot be on the political chaos, the social unrest, the economic conditions that that has been caused by this pandemic. Our eyes as believers, as followers of Jesus, as people that believe the book, of people that God has been faithful to, our eyes have got to be on Him and not on the problems. So we don't know what to do, so we turn to you. When you get to a point where you're willing to say, God, I'm at the end of my resources. I don't know what to do. Would you show us? We turn to you. We look to you. You see, that's, that's the whole deal. That's the whole key to to knowing what to do is admitting that you don't know what to do. Some of us think we got it all figured out. 
Like I say, I've been a pastor a long time. I started pastoring full-time in 1979 and have been in ministry full-time in some capacity ever since. And part of our problem, I'm just talking about Baptists, and particularly Kentucky Baptists is what I consider myself, even though I've served through Lifeway all around the country. We think we know what to do. In fact, some of you here, and I, I don't know any of you very well, but some of you here think if they just listen to me, I got it figured out. Uh, if they just, if Eastwood, if the leaders of Eastwood would just listen to us, or listen to me, I got it all figured out. Well, the deal is, you ain't God. Hello. Can, can, can we agree with that today? God is God, and I'm not. That's a real good statement right there. God is God, and I'm not. And that's what Jehoshaphat was acknowledging. God, you're God. You created us. You brought us out of the land of Egypt. You brought us into this land. God, you created this church. You founded this church in 1953, and you've been with us all this time. Lord, we're at a point we don't know what to do. But he does. <laughs> he does. Amen? Now, that's true whether you believe it or not, but it's nice if you believe it. Because God has a plan. He has a plan when he founded this church. He's had a plan with every pastor and every transition this church has been through. And he has a plan now. The deal is we've got to get to where we will listen. So Jehoshaphat prayed this prayer, made this confession. Lord, we don't know what to do. But we turn to you. Are you willing as a church, as a person, to pray that prayer? Lord, we don't know what to do, but we look to you. And so here's what happened when they prayed that prayer. God raised up a prophet. All the people got together, and it says in verse 13, all Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children. In other words, it was a multi-generational gathering. They brought the families together. And in the midst of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel. We never heard of him before. We don't ever hear from him again. God raises up this guy to speak his word to his people. When you seek God, when you humble yourself before him and commit that you don't know what to do, whether it's a personal problem or where it's a church problem, where it's a problem at work or whether it's a problem at home, uh, it's a problem at school, whatever it is, when you finally look to God, the Bible is clear, God will speak. He will speak to his people through a Jehaziel, and sometime that Jehaziel is one of the people that wrote the Bible. You read a passage of Scripture, and, and, and you know that God, the Holy Spirit, is speaking to you directly through that passage, and you know that's Jehaziel. That's a word of God. That's a prophet of God that is speaking a word to you. But to get there, you have to feel, have a feeling of being overpowered and overwhelmed. We live in a country that we pride ourselves of being self-made people. We're independent. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. I mean, there's still people that I know that won't wear a mask. I'm not letting anybody tell me what to do. I've got a friend of mine that was cavalier about that and said, I'm not going to wear a mask, and he ended up with COVID. And not only he, but he passed it on to 
other people. I'm not going to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. And that's the place where you're going to get stuck someplace. And you're never going to move forward in faith if you are so stubborn and obstinate that you're not willing to admit that you don't know what to do. Jehaziel, listen to what he says. Verse uh, 15. And he said, Jehaziel said, Listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go out against them. You will see them coming up to the, the, uh, the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness of, uh, of Jeruel. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Tomorrow go out and face them, for the Lord is with you. When you've been knocked down by life, there's a temptation to look to others for help, to seek advice from a friend or family member. There's nothing wrong with that, but oftentimes they're in the same situation you are. We sometimes try to look behind us and learn from our mistakes and try to recreate the past. Well, I want to tell you something about church. It's never going to be the same again. I don't know how long we're going to wear these masks, certainly until a vaccine, a proven vaccine, is effective. But even then, the way we do church moving forward is not going to be like it was a year ago. And many of us that have been used to doing church a certain way are going to struggle with that. But God's going to do a new work. I don't know what it's going to be like. He's going to use the YouTube like you all are using now uh, to reach more people. He's going to uh, make us more focused on personal discipleship and small group discipleship instead of big gatherings. I mean, as a pastor and evangelism director, I wanted as many people as possible. That's probably not going to happen, at least into the future. So you and I have got to come to a point that we realize that, that transition is, we're not, it's not on the way. We're in the middle of it. And what is it that God wants to teach us? What is it God wants to do through us to make the church more effective in the days and years and decades ahead? Well, we've got to... Listen to the words of Jehaziel, that the battle is not ours alone. This church is more important to God than it is to any of you here. It's his church. He put it on this location a long time ago, 67 years ago, and he, has, he still has a plan for Eastwood Baptist Church moving forward. you all agree with that? Hello? He does. This is, if the battle is his. We've got to learn to fight it His way in His power and not be afraid. Listen to what He says. He tells, don't be afraid, don't be discouraged. It's okay to be afraid as long as you don't live in fear. As the fear drives you to faith, when the fear drives you to the Lord, do not be afraid because the battle is not yours. And, and, and so, at least 60 times in Scripture, God says directly to us, do not be afraid. John 14, 
1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Matthew 14, 27. In the midst of the storm, Jesus came to them walking on the water. Have courage, he said, it is I. Do not be afraid. Matthew 28, 5. The angel told the women at the tomb, do not be afraid. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Listen, look to the Lord in times of trouble. Look to the Lord in the times of transition. Look to the Lord when you don't know what to do. And the Lord will speak and has already spoken. His word is true and continues to have power even in the midst of this pandemic. He's not absent in our troubles. He's in them and will use them to strengthen our faith. You've got to know that God is a big God. Listen to what Jehoshaphat reminded himself of and God. He said, the Lord God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? Do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? The psalmsters say that God created the heavens. We look to him. The writer of Genesis said that God created the heavens and the earth. The sun came up this morning. And the Democrats and the Republicans had nothing to do with it. It wasn't Trump's fault. And Biden didn't make it happen. <laughs> Hello. I mean, we believe that stuff, don't we? Good grief. I serve a God who keeps the sun in its place and the stars in their place. And the sun comes up every morning at the right time. Every day. You can set your watch by. Nobody, good grief, there's nobody can do that but God. That's who I look to. I don't look to politics. I don't look at economics. I don't look to education. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But, but the, the, our faith says you look to the Lord God. He's a big God. So he can handle big problems. What big problem are you facing? My mother's 91. She has Alzheimer's. She's in a facility in Somerset. We found out last week that she's losing blood. Uh, she's very anemic. But we decided not to intervene because her life is in God's hands. That's a big problem. There's things worse than death. I pray that God would take my mother home. Some of you got big problems. You're caring for aging parents. You got uh, family problems. You got problems at work. You got problems at school. You're involved in the community. There's problems in the community. Whatever the big problem is, listen, we serve a big God. Those, list, those of you listening or watching online, whatever your big problem is, listen, we serve a big God. There's nothing you'll ever face that you can't face with God. Nothing. That's what, that's what Jehaziel told Told Jehoshaphat and the people, listen, the battle's not yours, it's God's. He said, so here, go out and face it. And then he said, position yourselves and stand still. And this is, this is kind of the summation. Position yourselves, it means to submit. It means to submit to God. It means it's, it's a position of submission that you admit you don't know what to do so you're positioning yourself to watch the hand of God to listen to the word of God to find out God's way and will 
When you do that, he says, you will see the salvation of the Lord. So what big problem are you facing? Well, you don't have a pastor. Well, I believe, and I've seen this over the years, not only in my life, but in the lives of several churches I've helped, when the church gets ready, the pastor will show up. You ain't ready yet. I don't know what that means. I'll figure it out. I don't ask a lot of questions. I just come in and listen. But there's something inside here ain't ready. If you was ready, they'd be by, there'd be a pastor here. You've had a good run of pastors. I've known every one of them for the last 20 years. So what have you got to do? You've got to position yourself to be in a position of submission. That, bring, that means humility. That means brokenness. That means admitting that you ain't got it all right. You need the Lord to send someone to lead you into the future that he has prepared. And there's somebody out there. There is. He's on his way. And when you get right, and he and God gets ready, that's going to happen. You believe that? It's going to happen. And we pray it'll happen in God's time and God's way. But we pray it'll happen as we change our hearts. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You seek the Lord. You secondly, you remind yourself and others of the promises of God, God's faithfulness. And then you simply admit, I don't know what to do, so I turn to you. It's really when you reach the end of your resources that God's resources take over. And they've been, he's been waiting on you all that time. See, I tried to quit drinking for three years. I'd quit for three months, and then I'd go right back, and I'd... I knew I needed to quit. Alcohol was taking over my life. It wasn't in, impacting my work as a civil engineer, but it was impacting my personal life. And it was finally when I reached the end, and I realized I couldn't quit on my own, that God was waiting on me right there. And that night on February the 15th in the pastor's office at Beacon Hill Baptist Church, when I got on my knees and said, Lord, please take alcohol away. Show to me the joy of, of my salvation and show me your plan for my life. And I want to tell you, when I got up off my knees, I was in the process of becoming a new guy. I drove back to my apartment in Lexington. I always kept an eight-pack of Stroh's beer in the refrigerator. I walked. I was living with three other engineering birdies. I walked in the refrigerator, took the eight-pack out, popped the tops, and poured it down the drain. And they said, Garland, what's going on? I said, boys, things is fixing to change. And it has changed. I lost about half my language. <laughs> I could cuss with the best of them, boy. Filthy mouth. And God began to do a work in me. And I started going to church. And I'd sit. I didn't know the, that, 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 uh, that, that I didn't know what it meant for God to speak to me. I really, so I'd go to church, and I'd say, God, what, what do you want me to do? And, Ansel Gamber would stand to preach, and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to do that. And I'd think, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm an engineer. I know math and physics. I don't know anything about the Bible. I didn't even know the Bible. So I thought I'd hide. So back in the, in the 70s, I had bouffant hairdos. Y'all remember? Big hair. 
<laughs> well, I'd find a woman with a big hair. And I'd sit behind her, and I figured that's the way the preacher couldn't find me. Well, I was sitting there one morning, and his old answer gave him a big old tall preacher from South Carolina. He, he pointed and split that hair right down the middle. <laughs> and I, he said, God's calling you. And I went, oh, my gosh, he's speaking to me. So on Easter Sunday, I walked down the aisle, and I said, Brother Gamble, you ain't going to believe this. He said, God's called you to preach. I said, how'd you know that? He said, I've known that for some time. I stood behind me, and there looked my mom and dad. They wasn't real active in church. There's my sister and her husband. He got saved that night. 38 decisions in an Eastern Cantata service on a Sunday night. I say less singing, more preaching, and Dana says more singing and less preaching, right? I was, I was transformed on an Eastern Cantata night. <laughs> and I'm telling you, there ain't nothing like, there ain't nothing like following Jesus. He's been with me with every trouble Every problem, every transition, every difficulty. And he's with me now. And he's also with you. Let's stand to our feet as we pray together. Lord, we're grateful for your spirit in this place, Lord. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your goodness in our lives, Lord. And we want to learn from Jehoshaphat today. Help him be our guide to seek you. When armies come, when problems come, when trouble comes. Help us to seek you, to fast and to pray and to remind ourselves of your faithfulness and to admit that we don't know what to do, but we look to you, to have our eyes on you. Raise up a Jehaziel, God. Use your word. Use your prophets. Use a preacher. Use a Sunday school teacher. Use someone to speak truth to us, to help us not live in fear, but to move forward in faith, to submit our lives to Christ, for it's in his name that we pray. Amen. God bless you.